Hello and welcome to the Spacebar podcast. I hope you're all well. Uh, this afternoon, I'm joined by uh, Martin Body. Uh, Martin is Space 48's chairman and was previously the founder, CEO and chairman of J-Wing. Anyway, Martin, welcome to the Spacebar podcast. Thank you. Good to see you. Um, thanks a lot for making the journey down to Manchester today. Uh, I un- understand you had a, a journey from York, but the weather in York was a little bit better than Manchester, I believe. Yes, Man- Manchester is the rainy side of the Pennines, so yeah, it's n- nothing unusual there. So you definitely didn't come for the weather then? Definitely not. No. Definitely and not. I'm, not, I'm not convinced it was just the podcast that you came for either. I think I think you actually came for the football. Is that is that right? That's right. Yeah, um, for my sins, I'm a uh, a Middlesbrough supporter, and uh, tonight uh, Middlesbrough are going to beat uh, Man United it's in the bold, FA it's Cup. It's a bold prediction. Two one. It's a bold prediction. I can't go with that. Martin's actually going to be outnumbered tonight, though. There's going to be uh, five Manchester United fans and one uh, one Middlesbrough fan. So. Um, Martin's either going to be ridiculed or we're going to not hear the end of it. So we'll uh, we'll uh, maybe catch up on a future episode to, <laughs> to let you know the outcome of that. Um, so yeah, um, but a Middlesbrough fan. So so tell me about that. How did that all come about? Um, well, I grew up as a Leeds fan. Um, oh, you changed colours as well. I changed colours. Uh, I ended up uh, following Leeds and being sort of pressed against a, a fence by a police horse and just thought, no more. Uh, shared a house with uh, uh, some friends and one of them was a Middlesbrough fan and we went to watch Middlesbrough on the first game back after they went into administration and, uh, yeah, just followed them ever since. Been a real great journey and uh, and and, it, and uh, one of my clients was actually BT Selnet who sponsored Middlesbrough. So I used to get to go to all the games, the, the, the players' dinners and, and everything else. So I've got quite a close a close bond to them. Yeah, yeah. And you've had some impressive players over the year as well. We were chatting just before we came on and we were talking about when Brian Robson was obviously the manager. You mentioned about Viduca, Jorginho, yeah. Ravinelli. Oh, yeah. um, who, who, are the, who are the people to look out for tonight? Um, Paddy McNair, who is, is the best, uh, arguably the best player in the championship. Yeah. So he's, he's on one of the, the, the backs. Um, and... Uh, Jones on, 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 on one of the wingers. He's, he's just come in this year. He's probably the, the creative player in the team. So they're, they're between those two, they're the ones to watch. Interesting. I think there's a lot, I, I always think there's so many similarities between sport and business. You know, when you're forming a team, you mentioned there about a creative midfield player and the various different, you know, midfield general or the person that scores all the goals. The goalkeeper, they all play an important role uh, in a team. And obviously in a business, it's very much like that. Um, and you've been a, a great addition to the team since you've come to Space Forty Eight. I know personally, it's been a, a real help to me uh, along our along our journey. There's a lot there's a lot that I've learned from it. Um, but obviously, you've had a, an impressive career in digital yourself with J Wing. Can you take us back to the start and how you how you got into the digital and tech world? How did it all come around? Or perhaps even what was the the job that transitioned you in? Well, I, th- I think career wise. Um I started my career in banking, of all things. Um, I'm a qualified banker, but I keep that very quiet. Um, and I joined First Direct when I'm uh, in my mid-20s, and that was the thing that really, the catalyst for my career, really, because it, just in terms of culture, the startup culture, at that time it was all about um, a direct model. It was telephone banking 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And and that really changed everything. Just in 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 
the interest in organisational culture, being part of something which was growing a challenger brand, um, being surrounded by some great people and and working with some sort of great agencies, great, 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 uh, some, some really good people. And my only real qualification for the job in marketing was that I kind of read a newspaper and I watched the TV. Um, you know, so that my first my first role there was actually uh, uh, planning planning a media campaign, a, a press campaign, and, and researching some TV ads. And that was my, you know, what I brought to it. But you know, it was a real good steep learning curve. Um, and from there, I found I, I got very into the use of data and, and, and direct marketing sort of CRM and, uh, and 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 I started to pursue a career really in that and I specialised in that went to, to another to another um, client side job which was with uh, GRE I was marketing director and eventually corporate life I, I just thought not really for me um, it's like my, my London office um, yeah it, it, I, I just felt that wasn't it wasn't culturally kind of what what really excited me so I went sort of um, to work for a management consultancy and then took that step to, to create my own business um, and uh, set up with a guy I had, who, who I used to work with at First Direct, a guy called Andy Gardner. Uh, we spent a long a, a long um, car journey once and I think that's where, where the idea really started, a long car journey back from, uh, I think, Swindon, I think. Um, and, yeah, we, we took the idea of, of really... You know, taking experienced practitioners in, in in the use of data and selling that on. It was a bit like the Man United story, really. You just get the best talent and then put it together, and hopefully, then you succeed. And that that was the idea. And it was at the time, it was um, as a culture really interesting because it was about having having gone into corporate life and um, really seen organisations run on control. Mm. The, the experiment was: Can you run a business on trust rather than control? Um, which was then giving people at a really basic level um, the flexibility to work, you know, when and where they wanted. So it was a virtual model. We did have an office for the servers, but it was a virtual model back then, before any of the sort of uh, Zoom or yeah, there was just not the, the technology. And um, but it was really interesting about giving people that. Um, I say personal accountability to kind of work in the way that, that, that they they wanted, and um, so, so so that so that got me into into sort of I suppose the entrepreneurship side of what I do, and you learn a huge amount. So having been a banker and advised small companies on 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 all of this thing, actually running one yourself, boy, is it a lot harder than you than than, than you think, you know? And the, the experiences of you know you've either got a problem in sales or in delivery or in with your cash and you know if you've got a problem in two of them you're okay if you've got a problem in three you've, you're kind of out of business so it, it, it runs around um, and and then really fr- from there how I got into digital was um, I, I guess I used to do a lot of work for, for various companies but a lot for the Royal Mail I used to be one of, one of um, their advisors and did a lot of conferences for those and I always remember a, a conference I think it was up in Edinburgh um, we were speaking about you know how we can improve direct mail through great use of data, et cetera, et cetera. And then this one guy comes up on the platform talking about search engines, and you know it must be hundreds of people in this in this uh, in in this uh, conference, and we all looked at each other afterwards and said, "What on earth was that about? That'll never work." And yeah, sure enough, five years later, it, it, what it did. 
And what we actually did, we actually, as, as a business, then we, we did a deal. Um, the company was sold. Uh, we, we exited that company or, or I stayed with it for a while. But the idea was we, we, we joined a business called Digital Marketing Group, which was bringing data, direct marketing and digital together when digital was really its infancy. And that's my real introduction to digital. But it was it was just the, the way it was going. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and we didn't have those skills. You know, we didn't have that because... Um, most of the people we had had come out of client side um, and, and those digital skills really existed agent side. I always think it's really interesting how the story started. You mentioned that long car journey that you had with your friend. We've obviously had conversations about this before, but at that time, like, where were you up to in your life? Because I think the people that are maybe listening that are perhaps considering maybe even stepping into the world of business or trying to become an entrepreneur or whatever it may be perceived as, was there, a, was there another deep-rooted reason why, or was it just actually seeing opportunity in the market? Um, well, I think a couple of things. I mean, where I was in my life, I had, um, I, we, li- we were living down um, in, in just outside of Colchester, had got two children, uh, a very, one of them still very, very young, t- uh, the two girls. Um, so really, you know, at that point, I should be sort of keeping my head down, you know, nice stable income and, and doing all those things. Um, but interestingly, I was, I was working at this, this management consultancy and, and um, that was the first time I'd become a consultant. And it, that was an interesting experience in and of its own right, because I think the first six months, I just went around telling everybody everything I knew, just trying to impress them. Um, and nobody really paid me any money, which was slightly problematic. But after a while, I really kind of found my way and built my confidence. And I think... At that point, I suddenly started seeing there's a real opportunity to do to, to do something, um, and I felt that's what I wanted to do. Um, and and I was very fortunate. And I think, um, you know, the, the sort of success I've had, it wouldn't have been possible without my wife sort of backing me to do it, yeah. um, because we did take a big risk. You know, we kind of. Uh, we moved house, moved back to to Yorkshire where our, our families were, and and, and did a startup. Um, you know, it <laughs> it was yeah. Unfortunately, it worked out. But you know, but I think that's that that's uh, a lot of people think about setting up a business and um, look at people who've who've had some success, and you know, most of those have had to take some some risk to do it. it and and I think you know, there are lots of people who are very capable very knowledgeable you know got lots of great attributes but that that risk dimension i think is the thing that defines defines entrepreneurs more than anything yeah it's interesting isn't it when you talk about just the topic of risk itself and how you can have your risk your risk tolerance can change depending on the environment as well but in that instance there where you've obviously got a wife two children you've got a deep-rooted reason why you want to do something else um i don't think that's a bad place to be i think sometimes if you're saying i'm going to put all the chips in knowing that you're going to commit to something 100% 100% and you're just going to go after that one thing that you want to achieve is uh well, it's great to see what you've obviously done off the back of it so like you say it all it all worked out in the end yeah and I, and I think there's sort of the saying that my wife has was you know well what's the worst thing that can happen which is you know I think that's a great saying to 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 uh to sort of you know spur you on really yeah and what um what advice would you have to anyone listening of if they're considering getting into digital or maybe going to, to walk their own path? What would the what the things be that they need to think about? I think the first thing, um, for, for, certainly from my experience, from people setting up agencies or their own, own different types of technology businesses, 
is revenue is king. So um, if you're setting up a business without really a route to getting early revenue, that's really difficult. So in general, I think it's always better to have work somewhere um, or if you're going to set your own agency up to have worked in the agency world um, or technology business, again, to, to, to do the same and have that network. And I think without that network of clients, potential clients, you haven't got access to, to revenue. I think it's it's very difficult to just take an idea and then think you can build a sales pipeline quickly enough because that needs an awful lot of investment to do that. And the chances of failure are really high. Whereas if you come in, you've got good reach into that market. You've already got some people who are your supporters and can can kind of come on as early clients. Then you're on to, off to a good start. And then you've got the other aspects, the operational aspects, which then become your next problem. <laughs> um, but that's a better way to be. Whereas if you can have the perfect business, you can set it up the perfect processes, the perfect product, and it looks wonderful, but it actually doesn't get any traction. That's that's no good. Yeah, there's a couple of key principles you mentioned there. Obviously, that that market having to exist in the first place. I think in in business we we can get a little bit carried around, away with our own hype sometimes. Um, but the reality is, if the market's good, it just so happens you've got a good business with great people. That's kind of the 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 simplicity of of it all, really, isn't it? Yeah. The, the rest should fall in will fall into place over time. Um, and there's obviously been you know over the past couple of years, you were saying at the start, they're really interesting about. Um, building a business based on trust that was almost a virtual world, world that you referred to. Um, Space 48, as you know, has gone through you know quite transformational change over the past couple of years, as many other businesses have as well. We've taken a stance to stay remote because we think that's the right thing for us at the moment. What's your take on the remote wor- world and, and how do businesses maybe do that successfully or dare I say, what is the new normal? How do how do the the work uh, how do businesses of the future function in terms of people? Wow, that's 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 a big question. Um, I guess I guess picking it off in 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 different areas. I, I think the first the first thing about um, remote remote culture or remote or, or remote businesses is they can't run on control. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's where the model breaks down the most. So you you know if if you've got a um, a distributed business working remotely, you, you just can't control what people are doing all the time. And if you try and do it, it will be absolutely miserable for everybody involved. Um, so it's got to, the culture has got to change. And for a lot of businesses, they are run on control. And I think that is the biggest challenge they've got. I think the other the other aspect is, is just this thing of, um, I guess, the need for people to get together uh, uh, physically versus versus work together remotely and I think I think both are important but what I see not working at the moment is this hybrid model where people have I've got you know large large premises which are paying a lot of money for um and are being used you know outside of any lockdown are being used on this hybrid basis because they're not great places to be they're, they're half empty. They've kind of lost that buzz about them, and they're expensive, uh, and so that just seems to be, you know, to make that work is even hard. Uh, is even harder. I think it's almost if you do remote and do it really well, get the culture right, and get some physical interaction going a, a, as well, yeah, yeah. then then you know that's great. But to try and mix two things up, 
getting remote is really hard to do. Getting a physical location is hard to do. But when you're doing both at the same time, mm. you know, I, th- yeah. I think that's tricky. And you've got the cost, the overhead as yeah, well that, that, that goes with that. Um, and, you know, we see this uh, in lots of meetings. I think the worst meetings that, that I'm involved in is, is the one where, you know, you've got four people in a room having a physical meeting and another four or five people joining it virtually. Yeah, yeah. And it just, that meeting just doesn't really work. Where if you had it all remote or all physical, it, it would work really well. Yeah, yeah, we, we agree with that at Space 48. We've got examples of of uh, customers or uh, well, customers and people we work with that are all more than happy to work in that way. There's some that are maybe not always comfortable with that. Uh, I was on a call not that long ago where majority of people on the call were remote but then there was a couple of people that were <coughs> excuse me a couple of people that were in a, a room together and um it really changed the dynamic of the meeting mm. it really made it actually quite hard to communicate which sounds silly it's just a small change but um i, th- I definitely think there's certain principles that we have to sp- stick to as a business for it to be yeah. for it to be successful um but it'll be interesting to see to see how how things um evolve and change i guess um, so going back to uh, to J Wing then, and your and your time there, I think you're taking us through to um, around about the time of uh, the acquisition. Mm. What what happened at that time, or what what led to that in terms of the growth of the business? So I guess I guess from from founding it with well, it's actually three people. We got somebody else to come and join us. We had an employee when we started, so three of us started um, in an office somewhere in Sheffield actually, and um, we were surrounded by boxes with. Um, with different laptops and various stuff off, I mean, all looking at each other, working out, well, who knows how to actually put this stuff together? And none of us did, so it was quite quite entertaining. But um, beyond that, the business got real traction, and we we kind of, um, I think we grew over seven years. I think it, I think we grew to about 120 people in in, in the UK and, and France. Um, I think we were turning over something like 12, 14 million pounds at that point. So you know, th- that changed from you know, a real startup with a really um, relaxed culture, I guess, um, cultural and trust to being 120 people in, in two countries. That in of itself was quite a challenge. And, you know, looking back on that, we weren't able, we had to compromise some of the things we did, which, you know, um, I think you look back and you probably changed some of that, but it's, it's, it's that scale. And I think certain points came, you know, when you got to 30 people, became a challenge you got 60 people and certainly when you got beyond 100 it became you had to implement different things you had to implement different sort of I suppose processes at one level and then you had to implement structure and so it was no longer just about a few people together it was actually about a structured team of people um but we we did the deal um, I very much believed in that concept of data, digital, and, and direct marketing coming together. So I stayed around in uh, for, for for a couple of years to actually try and try and join that up in this group, but then consisted of about ten different businesses, um, which was incredibly difficult actually because uh, I always um, laugh at the sort of um, the meetings that occurred. There used to be an ops direct, an ops board meeting where literally the founders of all the businesses that had been acquired were sitting, most of which had had some sort of financial transaction. Mm. And so, you know, the, the meetings were very much about people's watches and holidays <laughs> rather than the kind of the financial performance of the businesses. But, um, 
but it was difficult to get everybody aligned, I think. And, and, and one of the things uh, that I kind of realised through that is if you're wanting to do something like that, that, that it, to, to pull together that integrated kind of idea, you actually need the, the person who's leading the business to really drive that. You can't just delegate that to somebody else who isn't that person you know it's got to be it's got to be absolutely bought into right through the organization and and so and and it wasn't you know so i think that was that that was that was problematic um so so the story there then 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 i actually left um left the business after a couple of years um partly because my mother wasn't very well so i went to to help look after uh, after and my dad look after her um but then found at that point, you know, um, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? You're about, I think it was probably about 40. So that gives me time to, you know, help my dad look after my mum, go and play some golf, go and do some, go to the gym, go and do all these other things I was, I was going to do. And I just met my own mediocrity at every turn. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's, brilliant. it's um, yeah. Quick, get back to digital. <laughs> Absolutely, get back to work. <laughs> Uh, and the other thing I think I learned then was that um, I think work defines you in a way that people perhaps don't realise, and not in a bad way, but I think it, it comes to you, you sort of, certainly for me, a lot of my social um, group are, are people I work with and enjoy, they're sort of work friends, and that's that's a large part of my sort of social life. And you, if you're not in that, you, you, you can't access it very easily because they're all at work when you're not. Yeah. So you, you're obviously socialising with other people who are quite often much older than you and better at golf. So, <laughs> um, And then the other thing is you just, you just become this person who, you know, in a bar, you're chatting, so what, you know, what do you do? Well, I had a company and I sold it. And suddenly you're the least interesting person in the whole room. So, so it does. It do, it does really. It really sort of um, makes you think at that point, and and also that motivation to get up and solve problems and do things. So, so I set up um, a, a kind of a, a consulting business and I did some mentoring, some angel investing, uh, and then got a call after a couple of years of that from the chairman of of, 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 of what was J-Wing, uh, asking me would I do a strategy piece, a financial crisis had been, the business had sort of, um, it's an aim-listed business, it was on the, on the market, stock market, so it, its share price had collapsed. Okay. Um, it had had, you know, it had quite a, a, a torrid a few months and um, the, the, the CEO at that point had, had, had left. So did a strategy piece um, uh, and then, was asked, well, you know, would you would you come back in and execute that strategy? And it, and it really wasn't on my to do list, um, but but uh, yeah, I agreed to do it and and, and partnered up again with um, with Andy Gardner, who I set Jowing up with in the first place, and we went back in like Batman and Robin to fix the problem. Um, <laughs> what was uh, Andy's background then? What did what, what was his so and, Andy is a, a brilliant mathematician. Um, so he was his background was very much using data more on on the risk side of. Uh, 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 as an area, so looking at credit risk and fraud and and all those things, um, which is more, far more exciting than it sounds. Actually, it's really it's really quite. Uh, yeah, you found your work colleague, someone that you trusted again to use, yeah. to use that word trust, and absolutely like say, got back together with Batman and Robin, and yeah. you went. And I think it was really good actually for us, and it's been you know working together with Andy over the years. We were very fortunate because. Um, you know, setting a business up and being the CEO of it and, and all of that, as as you will will know, it can at times be quite a lonely place. And to have somebody 
who you you sort of working together. You, you know, you're a double act really. Yeah. Was tremendous. You know, we have very different um, very different skills, um, but we, we 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 got on tremendously. You know, and bounced off each other. Yeah. So um, so that was good. So we we came back in there. We did. Um, we spent a lot of time doing housekeeping, if you like, quite a bit of talent had left and just sorting out a lot of different structures, roles, uh, and just getting positivity back in the business, actually. Um, and then we did some, we, 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 I think there were about 11 different business units, so we consolidated that down a little bit. We then sold um, uh, some, some of that, uh, uh, some of the businesses to give us money to then go and buy some others. And we bought a performance marketing agency, um, which really set us on a really good course. And we did a few more acquisitions um, over the years, and, and that gave us real momentum. So, uh, you know, and, and starting to really see the share price grow, um, getting some quite a following. And uh, yeah, so so that was you know a really enjoyable part of of that seeing a strategy sort of. Coming together, it, it took longer. You know, I think I think I'd gone in and said, "I'll do that in three years." <laughs> but um, the three three years turned into five. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then and then at that point, um, you know, I, I I moved into a role from being the, the CEO of it. Um, we bought some business in Australia. Andy was working in Australia there, having having acquired those, and we sort of did a succession plan where I would then be the chair of it, and then we'd um, we'd, we'd we'd have a new a new a new management team. And, and and that was working well until um, I think then the whole Brexit thing loomed on the horizon and uh, yeah the, the next few years are, are a complete different part of my career really because my whole career has been based on growth really and you know it, whether it be like a first director garden director on the client side or whether it be on the agency side just growing businesses. Yeah. Uh, has been tremendous. Um, just, just to come back to the start of that sort of that phase, then where you've gone from a couple of years playing golf and yeah. you know taking some time out with family and whatnot as well. How did that feel going from the pace that I guess life must have been to I'm stepping back into not just an agency but I'm stepping into an aimlisted agency? How did that? How did that make you feel? It was quite daunting actually to go in, um, and one of the things that. Uh, I, I guess I felt was there's quite an expectation on me coming in because because quite a few people knew me anyway within the business. Yeah. So it was the question was how much personal energy can I throw into this, which was a ridiculous thought actually because mm. it, it 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 that kind of says it's all about me and it actually isn't. Yeah. It's about everybody else. About how what you how you can help everybody else not not you go in and just put all your energy and it all happens because you work yeah. hard and 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 and, re- and, and just drive it I, I don't believe in that i think you it, clearly you've got to put a lot of energy in but it's not about your energy alone it's about it's about energizing everybody energizing the group um so i think i think going into that there, there was a lot i didn't know um you know the, 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 a listed business is a very different animal um, and understanding that, understanding the exciting world of corporate governance, um, dealing with investors, uh, having to report on a six monthly basis, you know, th- there's a lot in that that is all all new. Um, but 
in, in, in truth, I tried to ignore it for a couple of years. I just tried to keep my head down and get the business to perform. And then, you know, the rest will come. That, that was my philosophy. But once, you, once you're in the game, because you sort of got a following, the world changes and suddenly then you're under a lot more pressure. As a, as a as a CEO of a name listed business, yeah, I bet I bet it must be it must be uh, like you used the word daunting, mm. and uh, I suppose I was I've thought about it myself before. What what must it have felt like for Martin to step in step into that position? And it was quite unique the dynamic for you as well in a sense that it wasn't like you'd just been hired to go in and do you know to run a name listed business. It was also something you'd created from the start as well. So that dynamic must have been quite interesting. And from my own perspective. I think it would feel like, I mean, over the years I've played my part, <coughs> played my part in creating Space Forty Eight. Um, to put it down for two years, let's say, and not do anything work related, and then to expect that I'm going to pick it back up, it'd probably be a lot like playing golf. That if you don't play for two years, and you try and play again to begin with, you're going to be a little bit rusty till you find, you know, <laughs> till you find your groove. But what did it feel like stepping back into something that you know you'd been? you'd partly created or you'd created before you spent you mentioned that there's a following that you had there but but again what did you what did you feel like or how did you approach that situation because i'm not sure i guess i guess you'd be met by different kind of different emotions from different people i'd assume yeah i, I think one one of the things I, I i was very conscious of is is that you know i had a very tight-knit team Jamie, as, as we built the business, a lot of those people were still there, and a lot of those people, in truth, worked for me for about over a span of about twenty years. So, you know, a very close group of people, yeah. and you know, suddenly the the business, you know, the, the, the group that was Jamie, the aimlessly group that was Jamie, had had people from businesses that had been acquired, and I was very conscious um, not to be seen. Uh, or not to favour just that part of the business I created and that team I created, um, and so that was quite trying to play that one was 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 really difficult. Um, but I think in terms of sort of stepping back in and and um, uh, take the golf analogy, sort of picking the golf clubs up again, it was almost like you know, um, well, I used to play golf a few a couple of years ago, and I used to sort of just play at the council at the council ground and you know pitch important and, and do that. And suddenly I was turning up at a, at a pro tournament, <laughs> and, and my game had to sort of step up quite yeah. a lot because there's, there's so much more to it. Because I'd never really managed a big company, you know, in, and the original J Wing was very informally managed because it was run on trust, you know, so it was self managed. Yeah. largely we suddenly go into a business with sort of six seven eight hundred people in it and that just doesn't work because it wasn't ever set up to be that you know with some of the acquisitions so you've got to do it in a very different way so yeah I had to really you know a massive learning curve which I had to sort of try not to show that that was happening in front of the <laughs> the, the, the kind of the crowd, the yeah. yeah, but it, but it, that's the truth. You know, you have to, you have, and you have to try and do it your way as well. Find your way of doing it. You know, be authentic to how you yeah. are. And how did you overcome that? Did you have anyone supporting you with that then, or did you have mentors you work with, or people that you know were good enough to give you time? Yeah, no, no, I had a few people. So I, I guess within um, within the actual on, on the board, there was there was there's some members of that board who who were really helpful um, because I, because I again no no listed company experience and that was that was really useful um and then just my network you know that's where a network comes in or just people you can just talk to who've done similar things so a few a few a few a few contacts of mine 
just saying, look, I'm doing this. How do you go? How did you go about doing this? And that is so helpful. They've got no idea how helpful they're being, just describing what they do on a daily basis. But it really helps you to sort of think out how you structure things. And I think, you know, and again, advice for anybody else, I think reaching out to others yeah. and, and those conversations, no matter what, what role you're in, I think that really helps. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that massively. I think whether it's, uh, you know, someone that you look up to as a, as a mentor, someone that you work with, I'm obviously fortunate enough to work with yourself and I can learn from your experiences trying to try my best to run Space 48 because every day is a, you know, is a new day. Every, every day is different. You're always facing new challenges. Um, I've been fortunate that I've got other people that support me in a similar way. And you obviously mentioned your wife before, you know, just being someone who stands behind you and just gives you that space to be able to do what you do. And um, I think a lot of people perhaps don't see or appreciate that. But yeah. without that support network, you'd, you'd not be the uh, the entrepreneur that takes the risks or the entrepreneur that, you know, is there to trust people, which are the word mm. that obviously you've used a couple of times today. Um, that's fascinating, definitely, that, that it's almost like you had it's almost like your second round of entrepreneurship because you mentioned when you you founded the business originally, you said, I'll give this a go. And then you go, no, oh, that is actually harder than what I thought it was going to be. And then you've had the same thing yeah. occur again, but you've gone back for more. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm sort of a believer that for a lot of people, they have what, they only really have one moment in their career, and particularly as an entrepreneur. And I, I know very few who've had, who've had more than one. Um, and what I mean by a moment is literally they create something, it's successful. And and the, the people who, the entrepreneurs who then think they can just take on the world because they've been successful, a successful entrepreneur in one, one area, you know, are, you know, quite often they, they, those, they, they go on to discover actually that that's much more challenging and why they were good was probably because in the subject matter expertise they have in the area they, they set up in. And so to go back to that... You know, it, it, it kind of made sense at one level. You know, at another level, I've, I'd have absolutely loved to have gone and done something completely different um, because everybody would, but I don't think that's realistic. Uh, and I think the other attraction of doing it is, is just the people, again, that, that, that group of people, you know, and that, that have worked with me through throughout most of my career. You know, they're just great people. Yeah, yeah. And there's that sort of loyalty between you. And I think... You know, a few of those people have now retired, and uh, you know, still keep with all great friends, and and that was a great period of their lives, and it's yeah. it's it's really rewarding to know after all that time, you know, it meant so much, um, you know, and it was such a good a, a good a good journey for them as well as as, as well as for me. I can I can definitely associate with that. Um, just I, I'd use the word identity of what you get from doing what you do. It is all-consuming. Mm. If you if you decide to sort of step off into into that world of you know setting up your own business, whatever whatever world it's in, uh, it will be all-consuming and it'll be hard and difficult and lots of fun all at the same time. But um, it does become a big part. I think it becomes a big part of who you are. The thought of I don't know doing nothing for a couple of years it almost scares me. Yeah. A bit, I'll be honest. I think I'm not sure what I'd be doing. Absolutely. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what happened there. Uh, maybe not in a bad way, but uh, who knows? Um, so yeah. Um, so then, I guess bringing you bringing you back to towards present day then, um, and and now you've um, uh, you know you've, you've stepped off into the world of being a non-exec. You're obviously chairman at Space Forty Eight. What can you tell us about that transition from? Um, you know where you were at J Wing, and then stepping off into the you know the the world that you're now living as a, a non-exec and a chairman for different businesses. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I was I was fortunate in, in getting into that because I'd, I'd already done um, in my in my I suppose career break for like six months, I'd, and and then after that, I'd sort of set up some sort of mentoring and I'd done some angel investing, so I had a bit of experience in that. And then at the latter days of January, I'd moved into that sort of chairman, executive chairman role, which was, you know, not the same as being an an exec, but it was it was closer to it, I suppose. Um, but what what I've I've really enjoyed um, about about the sort of transition of of, of moved to sort of the, this plural portfolio non exec career is is that you know there's some real personal development in that for, for, for me uh, for, you know I'd, I'd say it's the first time I've done any any structured development um, for some time so you know learning how to mentor and coach people and and and, and doing that has been really 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 enjoyable and good um but then I, i'm in terms of learning how to be non-directive um because when you've you've run your own company you know you you tend to be very directive and and the idea of a non-exec is they're exactly not that they're, they're there to 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 help make support make sure all things are considered in, in making a decision um, they're not there to step in and say, oh, let me do that. I can do it quicker. I can do it better. Uh, it's, it's not about that. Um, but I think the things that, that um, I find interesting when looking at opportunities, and it's, it's, it's very true of, of, of working with Space 48, is you know, for, for me, it was all about the chemistry. You know, I think that's got to be, to be right. You get approached about quite a few roles, but that doesn't mean that's the right thing to take. A lot of people view a non-executive career as, oh, well, I'll finish working now. I want to sort of semi-retire. So what I'll go and do, I'll go and do a non-exec career and I'll just turn up some board meetings. I'll get paid a reasonable amount of money and I can go and play golf. Um, that's not how I, I look at it at all. Um, you know, I, I think what you need to do is you need to think of who you want to be involved with because you need to be successful and and you need to be successful because they need to be successful. So you know it, it's the joining of that that's really important, and 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 the chemistry I think is everything because you know the people I want to work with um, are very much people like yourself who've you know entrepreneurs and in, in your instance you know have have gone through your first deal with it with private equity, and that's a new experience for you. And it's in that area where I'm able to feel I can really help and 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 support. Um, and and then take on to that next stage of growth where I've got some I've got some war stories to share um, and I've got some experience, good and bad, to to, to hopefully share as well. And uh, you know, I, I think I think so. Getting the the right air, the, the right chemistry, and then also having some subject matter expertise. So for me, I would never want to turn up in a business where I didn't feel I brought some positive contribution to the table because everybody would resent me being there. And, you know, I've been in those meetings where you've got to go to a board meeting because some chairman runs it and it, nobody wants to go to that meeting. And I'd never want my the, the meetings that we have to, to feel like that. Um, and then from the other side, it, it, it actually feels um, remarkably, I've got, I've got three different portfolio companies, and it feels more like it did when I set J-Wing up originally because I'm very much more in... It's, I'm more in control of my kind of life. I'm involved in really entrepreneurial, growing companies, mm. um, and it's great. You know, I mean, it, it's challenging. There, there are ups and downs at like all those companies. How do, you, how do you find it 
you know context switching between the different businesses i obviously know that they're you know different from each other mm. so how do you find that you know if you let's say you have a call with me and i'm banging on about something and then you take a call with with andy or paul or whoever yeah. obviously they're, they're people i've got to know as well unfortunately how how's that for you because i guess the challenges in some ways are similar perhaps but in other ways they'd be very different how is it to context switch between the businesses that's a really interesting question um I think I think there are actually quite there are more similarities than there are differences. Um, one of the businesses differs uh, the most, which is a, a sort of a SaaS-based um, business, which is on purely a, a revenue growth model mm-hmm. um, and a cash runway element of that. Um, whereas the other two businesses are, are technology business, with, 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 which which serve you know a service business, yeah. and so they have a lot more similarities. So um, yeah, I, th- I think. I think um, a lot of the um, a lot of the underlying sort of business performance and metrics and everything else have, have sort of are relatively standard across the companies, which will come as no surprise to you. And and, and uh, but but it, it, it very different problems, different markets, different clients, and it, and it does take a while to do that. And it's trying to spend enough time of my time to just make sure I understand those those markets really. That, that's because they are they are they're all unique um but i think the biggest challenge i found was just remembering everybody's names <laughs> specifically remotely you yeah. know you suddenly got you know three management teams and people doing similar roles in some of them and just making sure you call them by call the them right, right name, name. <laughs> you can't get away with calling a mate really can you um i have a habit of doing that sometimes when i can't remember someone's name um yeah but uh no interesting stuff it's almost I guess it, it, bring, it, bring, it brings us to a certain place where I think it's fascinating that, and almost not by accident, that you've you've arrived at a place where you're actually doing a non-exec and chairman-type roles and you're doing coaching and mentoring. When it appears to me that you, your career's almost been shaped, that that, that that would be the natural the natural place you would go next because the time you've spent working with other businesses, your own business, having you know, known it from the ground up, which I kind of get... Um, but then working with other businesses, obviously you mentioned about acquisitions before. So I guess indirectly you were actually picking up some of the skills which you now you now rely yeah. upon today because you can look at a new business and understand it very quickly. Like you say, there's similar metrics that work across every business. I'm sure you apply your own philosophies, you know, certainly what you talk around trust, which is something that really resonates with me. I remember when we first met each other and that was something that really appealed to me, that trust was important, people are important because, well, we're all in the business of people and if we've not got that, mm. where are we going to go? Um, I, th- I associate with what you talk about in terms of risk as well. You know, being that entrepreneur and understanding how much risk you might want to take. Um, obviously, you took it on a few occasions yeah. without without realizing it. You kind of go back back for more. I think I understand that as well. That and it's like business. The way I find Space Forty Eight is a little bit addictive. You do want to go back, and there is that element in me where I go, I can't think of doing anything else because I really want to carry on doing this thing because it's so much more than just a business because of my work friends that I've got from doing it, the social activities that I get from doing it, the people that I get, get to meet, um, the things that I get to do. Uh, I might not get invited on as many golf days if I wasn't <laughs> doing it, or I might not get invited on some nice nice trips to different places, but um, I think that's been really interesting today, actually, listening to listening to your story. Hopefully the people that are listening in, uh, they found it useful as well. I think there's some absolute gems in there, some real nuggets that that people can take away. Um, I've already been using my notebook, so I didn't need to write it down today. My job was just trying to 
extract some of that knowledge that I know that you've got. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. It was good fun. It's been great to spend some time with you. So um, I think that just about concludes our session today. Thanks a lot for listening to the Spacebar podcast. You've been listening to Spacebar, a podcast brought to you by Space48. We're a UK leading CX and e-commerce platform specialist. If e-commerce content's your thing, then please be sure to subscribe to hear more. Do you like what you've heard or is there room for improvement? Please leave us a review and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.